Microphone check, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite bearded man, Bob Bay. It's a lovely Sunday, and we are celebrating the second woman ever to come on to the podcast, the one, the only, Callie Rockowitz. What is going on? Hi. Great person to be as a second woman. Who was the first woman? Uh, her name's Kaylee Christina. Kaylee Callie, I'm a natural Very progression. Natu- <laughs> yep, yep. And she is a uh, COO of a uh, skincare company. Love that. And she's a badass. Love that. Love and skincare. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> love women. We got we got love women. <laughs> I love women too. Um, so we, we got the skincare, and then we got some art coming in today. So I think this is going to be a great start to getting some more women onto this podcast. Love that. Um, I don't even know where to start with you because <laughs> I'm pretty excited to have you here today. I, to give you some context, how I came across you, and I'm sure a lot, I don't even know, well, I do know this post blew up, blew up but in June during Black that's Lives Matter, that's how I found wow. you. So I had seen that post and I felt it because I was somebody that was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Well, I know, I know what's the right thing that needs to change, but mm-hmm. I, I am like frozen. And so I saw that post and I resonated with it. I'm like, who is this? Like, I got to click into this. And then I saw that you were out here. I saw the work that you had done mm-hmm. and I saw we had a lot of mutual friends and I was like, okay, I don't know who this is. Like I, I need to like follow this and see what this girl's up to. Yeah. And then even since, so that was June. Mm-hmm. And then over the last like three months, casually seeing um, your content and then sometimes you would share out some of the, of the stuff from uh, Sorry Dad. I was like, mm-hmm. this girl's energy is phenomenal because <laughs> I, I respect it because you just, you're passionate and you just don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Where does that come from? Uh, I, just a, a lot of years giving a fuck. Mm. It came from that. It was more like, you know, I spent my entire 20s figuring out exactly what I didn't want to do with my life or how I didn't want to live my life. And then I just was, I don't know if it was 2020, it kind of catapulted all of us in a bunch of different directions, but I just... You know, I turned 30 last year, almost a year ago. And um, I was like, I there's no more time to like mm. live a life I, that is not true to myself. And so totally. I kind of stripped away all the judgment I felt like I was going to get yeah. for A, quitting my job and painting and B, the sorry dad thing that came out of nowhere. Literally, I have no idea where it came from. Yeah. But. Well, it's so that's so interesting you're saying that because a recent podcast guest that I had um, done a podcast with. He's the co-founder of Iconic. It's a canvas yeah. art co- company. Mm-hmm. His name is Mark Brazil. Yeah. And uh, he's 35. And in our podcast, he talked about you should spend your 20s just trying a bunch of shit mm-hmm. so that you kind of set yourself up so that when you turn into the 30s, it, it becomes, you kind of have a better idea of what you want to do. And that sounds like the yeah. timing was like, you hit 30, you had an idea what you want to do, and then you just said, fuck it, I'm going for yeah. it. Yeah, I had like, I went to school for marketing business. You know, a lot of people do that because they don't really know exactly what they're doing. That's what I did. Yeah, I was like, this this prepare me for something. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally. funny because like marketing changes literally weekly. Like totally. the technology too. So everything I learned is irrelevant now. But, um, you know, I was I worked for this big corporate company right out of college. And then I, then I quit to become a choreographer. And then I went back to like a startup. And it was just all these different. And like I worked for a sale in sales, like for a tech company. And mm. then I was like, then I, a year ago, I had a little panic attack at like five in the morning in September of last year. And I, I called my mom and I was like, I don't know what it is, but I, I cannot go to work today. 
And I can't tell if I'm being a little bitch, like a little, like I just, I don't want to work anymore. Or because I felt like I was being complacent with my art and complacent with my job. Mm. And like I needed to, you know, if I, I needed to get rid of that pretty solid safety blanket or else my art was just going to be sad mm. and boring. Mm. You know, I needed, I need some skin in the game. Totally. So that's why, and I just, I didn't have a plan. I just quit my job. I gave two weeks and then I quit my job. And the first commission I got was actually one for Will Smith in no, November. You're of that. Lying. No, and you know, um, Matt, you know, Matt Como? Of course. Great guy. He's, he saw someone needed a painter for this project and he reached out to me and I, it was Thanksgiving week of last year. And I was like, I canceled my flight. I worked 48 hours straight on this portrait of the family of the Will Smith family. And I was just like, well, I guess this is going to work for me. <laughs> Holy shit. So, okay. You, t okay. Okay. This is now, this is interesting. The first, so the first commission piece was for Will Smith. Yeah. After you quit your job. Mm-hmm. What? I know. That's I know. Like it was the, it was a gift. Is... It was a gift for him, but you know, it was it, I painted the whole family, the whole Will Smith family and or the Smith family. That's like the most ideal situation to happen because I feel like that just gives you a shit ton of confidence of mm -hmm. like, okay, if I just did a, a first piece for Will, mm -hmm. there's there's got to be more traction that's going to come after this. Exactly. And I and I think th for the past year, every day I wake up like I'm never going to make it. I compare myself to other artists. I'm like I see all these people that I idolize. Their work is so much better than mine, in my opinion, and all this stuff. And then a, I just hit a year anniversary of quitting my job. And I, I saw that. I looked back and I was like, I did like a piece for Kehlani and I did a music video for Niall Horan. Like all these things that, you know, may not make me the richest person in the world, but like it, it proved to me that I could do this. Yeah. And it proved to me that other people appreciate it too because they like a lot of these things they don't they don't need a painting like painting mm. is not a necessary part of a lot of the projects i'm involved in but they f they saw you know they saw the quality and i'm so grateful to everyone who's ever looped me into anything so. yeah that's amazing and the thing is when you especially those like the will smith of the kalani that's all credibility for you mm -hmm. so even if it's not price wise whatever yeah. that might look like it's like if they're rocking with your work, you yeah. can utilize that to leverage other bigger opportunities or so that when somebody random hits you up, you're like, yeah, did this piece for Kaylani exactly. and my price is going up because somebody's seeing the value in yeah. like, what I have to offer. And I think right now exposure for me is way more valuable than any current, like mm -hmm. any other currency. And those, the Kaylani one and the Will Smith one were two just f like f the physical painting is things I had never done before. Mm. And I had like multiple panic attacks, both scenarios. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't, like, I can't physically paint this. And then I did. And I was like, that's, that was the most important part to all, all both of those things. And the Nile Horn one too, they gave me 12 hours to do this painting, this realism painting. And I was like, this shit takes me like three weeks to do like mm. one usually, but like that show business, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't going to say no to anybody. I don't totally. even care if it, like I got paid, but like I, jokes on them i would have done it for free <laughs> <laughs> well how how do you approach do you think this is something that i i and actually from matt coma i did a podcast with matt probably in 2018 and the the title of his podcast was um, co um confidence comes from repeated action mm -hmm. and so do you and i'm imagining so when you have these opportunities for the will smith or for the kaylani even though there obviously is a little bit more pressure and there's probably a little bit more anxiety because it's such a high level opportunity. Mm -hmm. Is it because of all the years of painting that you feel like these, you were ready for these moments 
had you just started and then got the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It's funny because um, I painted as a kid. I painted like three years old up to like 18. No like training or anything. It was just more like there were canvases and art supplies at my house and I would just paint. I took like a couple classes in high school, like, you know, extra curriculars or whatever. And then once I went to college, I didn't paint for almost 10 years. And then I started up again to, uh, I quit my job a year after I started painting again. So I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't, I don't have like a formal training, but in my head, even though I have all this self-doubt all the time with my personal collection and all this stuff, I just know I can do it. Like mm. there, I, you, when you don't, when you tell yourself you don't have a choice, you just do it. Mm. Like that Will Smith painting was the first painting I'd ever done ever in color, like skin tone. And I, I remember I had like an hour to say yes to them. And I had like 20 minutes to go to the art store and get the proper supplies. I like ran into Blick and I was like, can somebody help me? <laughs> And I was like, I showed them the photo and, and they like rallied behind me and they were like, okay, they, they pinpointed every skin tone. Okay. They're like, they, they got all the colors for me. And I was like, I remember I started painting, um, I think it was Jada's mom, um, on the, the first stroke of skin tone. And I was like, I stepped back and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot do it in 48 hours. I definitely cannot do it. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Wow. I just got to do it. I my, lo- my whole apartment was like a Celsius graveyard like energy drinks everywhere (laughs) (laughs) i was like a, I like yeah it was crazy experience so worth it but like in the moment i'm like fuck this (laughs) because there's so much pressure yeah 10 years though that that like surprises me yeah you stepped away you you start a passion at three you love it you grow up with it i don't know how much it was part of your life or if it was something you just did on the side but why take why step away for a decade well i had a very like I don't want to say vanilla life. I had a very, you know, I was sold the package that we're all sold that, you know, you go to school. I grew up in a fairly like wealthy neighborhood. You go to school. Where'd you grow up? Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, nice. You go to school, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a corporate job, and then you get married and have kids. And fuck all that. Yeah, I was like, LOL. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, you know, I graduated high school and I went to college and it's not like I have like, I'm living in like a box of a dorm room and it's... I just didn't think being an artist was a could be a career. I never in my mind thought that that was a thing. Mm. Like I just was so inexperienced and there's such a lack of culture in Scottsdale that I was just like, well, that was a fun little, you know, hobby I had growing up. And then a couple years ago, I ran into an artist actually at a convention for, I was working, um, you know, the S- S&P Global, like the S&P 500. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was working on their market intelligence side, super, like, you know, normal corporate job and i was at a uh, conference for them and i there was an artist there doing something for something and he, i was like yeah i used to paint and he was like you don't paint anymore i was like no he's like you should just go get a canvas and see what happens and i, I didn't for a while and then one day i did and i was like holy fuck mm. i need and i was thank god it's like riding a bike because like i didn't know if i could paint still mm. and then i did i think i took that image off my instagram but um, cause now I'm, I've like progressed and I like, I'm like embarrassed of my old work, even though it's part of the journey, of course. but like, um, I just knew I needed to do it for the rest of my life. I had such a fire under me that I hadn't felt in, ever in my life. So is that conversation with this artist that kind of reignited like, wait, why am I not doing this? Yeah. I was like, then I started like, I, maybe it was a side of the internet. I hadn't di- like 
experience, but like being an artist is a, is a career, mm. especially with the internet. Mm. Cause like, yes, I, I'm not well-versed in the gallery circuit or anything like that, but I've sold paintings literally just from my Instagram followers. And then I've gotten all these gigs because of the people I've met. And like, it, I don't, it's just, you can build whatever fucking life you want. I know you don't need, I don't, I didn't need to go to art school or like study any of that. I mean, I, I could, I could use it at this yeah. point. I'm like on YouTube, like trying to figure out how to like do things, but <laughs> YouTube university. Yeah. You can't be, I like, I'm like Googling other, um, materials like resin and all these other things. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? But I'll figure it out. <laughs> Have you seen uh, the social dilemma on Netflix? Yet? Oh yeah. So oh my God. I, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I understand the whole concept of the documentary, which I highly recommend people that are listening to go watch and see. It's like what could happen, right? Mm-hmm. All the bad of what is being tracked about us. It goes down a rabbit hole. But the opportunities that social media provides, if you use the tool correctly, mm-hmm. it is unbelievable. Yeah. Like the for me personally, like podcasting in general, this was not possible 10 years ago without a full production studio, Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of dollars invested, trying to get a network to believe in my vision. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I understand there's a lot of negativity from social media. There's the comparison trap. There's, um, it's very easy to get sucked into the reality of that versus Mm -hmm. actual reality. But at the same time, it's like people like yourself, you're able to build your brand in your network through just posting content yeah. and sharing like your actual work, which is amazing. Yeah. And it and it takes more self-discipline to not get sucked into any rabbit holes. Like you have to be really aware of it. Like I've unfollowed so many artists that I love, but mm. I was fearful that my Ooh. work was going to look like theirs. So I, I try not to look at any artists. Like mm. I'll look at, I'll discover new artists. I'll look at them for a sec, maybe get inspired. And then I'll literally never look at them again. Because if I get sucked into like obsessing over a certain artist. Totally. I just, I'm trying to stay in my, I'm trying to figure out what my thing is. And I don't know what that is yet. I just don't want it to be anyone else's thing. Yeah, that's good. But I think it's important to look around at what's out there and Mm -hmm. pull different inspirations. Because at the end of the day, all the greatest ideas and art or anything in life it all stems from multiple influences. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's good to survey the land, get inspired by other people. Yeah. But I respect that. And like, I don't want to see to my feed because yeah. then I'm like, cause then I wake up like, fuck, why didn't I do this? Yeah. I'll like, I used to go in deep rabbit holes with artists before I went to bed. And then I'd wake up in a panic being like, I'm never going to make it. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm fucking making, I'm making it. I'm, I'm, make, it. I'm yeah. making this shit happen. Yeah. Well, so. it, when I was doing the research uh, before today, just to like kind of get a little bit more context to you, it, it really, it, it's so easy for us to like when I when I came across you in June, perfect example. I come across you and I see chapter 15 of your life, right? <laughs> I see where you are at, and I'm like, damn, this girl's crushing. She's got all this art. It's crushing. Like, damn, yeah. she's fucking popping. Like, she got this shit figured out. But there's LOL. so <laughs> still work in progress. I know that. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. But um, and then I started doing like some of the research today or a couple of days ago, and the thing that really caught me was after college, you did like you had mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, you bounced around for to four different cities. You did ten different jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so through that time, though, and and art's not in your life at that moment. Mm-hmm. Are there? Are there any jobs that you actually had where you actually started to feel passion for? Or do you feel like it was always, let me see how this works out, go six months, don't like this, move on to the next? 
Um, I had this one job um, right the second time moving back to New York. It, it's funny because I took a risk I, I would never do now. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. But um, I, I left New York, took this like um, choreography job um, for this resort, which is something I'd always wanted to do. I just wanted to get it out of my system. I was never going to, that was never gonna be in my career. But then I was like, I'm going to try New York again. Cause I hated it the first time, but I have this urge to do it again. So I moved back with no job lined up, no apartment lined up. My friend was in Europe. So I stayed at her place. I had one month to get my shit together. Mm. I like moved out with a couple bags and I was like, I applied a bunch of jobs, had a bunch of interviews, like the first couple weeks. And I remember I was on the phone with my mom crying, being like, I got off a, a, an interview. I got a Nile. I just was in way over my head. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I don't even know how I got the interview. <laughs> um, while I'm on the phone with my mom, I have a call on the other line. I'm like, I don't know what this number is, but I'm going to answer it. And it was this startup that I don't even remember reaching out to. I guess I just found them. And then they had an email. And so I sent them an email. I'm like, hey, I'm moving to New York. Would love to like talk to you. It was a curated wine subscription service it's kind of bomb yeah do you like, do you like wine love wine yeah okay so that's, and that's bomb i met with them and at the time i think there was four of them and i was the fifth i think i was the fifth hire either fifth or sixth but um it just it became a family and it felt like like art something i'm building as my own and that was the closest thing i had felt to like every day i'd work really early to really late for something I felt like was my own because mm. we were so like it was just family and mm-hmm. like I was passionate about it like my job was sourcing wine like who let me do that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but um yeah it was it was an amazing experience and I think I drifted way far away from that moving forward I worked for these like other startups but like bigger ones and like bigger corporate companies and I was like I need to I need to feel I need to like mm. feel something again you yeah. know so I don't know what I'm doing still, mm. but I'm doing whatever it is. And you're making it work. And I'm making it work. I think I have, I'm at first, sorry, dad was kind of like a, I just wanted to put my erotic art somewhere else. So if people came to my Instagram, they weren't like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like you have these like portraits, these fairly like normal portraits. And then you have like this girl sitting on a guy's face. Like Callie, what the fuck? That, that was the, that was the goal. It was literally like. I'm just going to like put this somewhere else. I don't want to remove it, but I want to put it somewhere else. And then like I was showing the art to someone one day, someone's dad. And I, <sighs> under my breath, I was like, like, sorry, dad. And oh, I was so like, holy fuck, that's it. That's how you landed I on. was at Waterfront. I was wasted. And my friend Coyote's dad was with us. And I turned to my friend Dylan and he pulls his phone. He's like, we're buying that. We're, we're buying the domain right now. We got the Instagram handle. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll, I'm, I'll figure it out tomorrow. And then. I like curated this feed and then I had this like little tiny little launch on March 3rd. Oh, this year, was it this year? This year. Wow. And then during quarantine is when I, I was like painting my friend's nudes digitally. And then I was like, does anyone else want this? And I got an influx of the strangers from all over the world sending me their nudes. And I was like, I guess I have a business now. Whoa. And people were paying me to send me nudes. And I'm like... I hacked the system, guys. <laughs> I literally hacked the system. I don't know. Getting paid, yeah, to have people send you. My nudes. phone is a is a hot commodity. I, Let I, me tell I you. Say, I hope you got that thing. Double. I have, I have that extra long password. I don't know if that's gonna do anything. The social dilemma is because of the shit know. like that. I need to like. I I usually well I do delete everyone's nudes, but like there's so many in, like in the rotation that I'm like. 
Oh God. Oh God. I love that that's how the, the time, that was the first thing I wanted to ask you yeah. about within Sorry Dad is like, branding is incredible. Sorry Dad. I have a sister, younger mm-hmm. sister, so like I can think of all the moments when she, we like, sorry Dad to like yeah. my father, but uh, the branding is just like literally incredible. Thank you. I, nothing's ever like flowed out of me so organically. Like I've never created anything that's so me before in yeah. terms of like, I'm not even that sexual of a person. Unless like I'm, I consider myself demisexual, which means which means like I need an emotional connection to really like be in it. Mm. So people are like, "Oh, do you get turned on when people send you their nudes?" I'm like, Abs- "Like not at all, unless mm. I have a crush on you." Like no, <laughs> um, different. But like the black and white is because I'm very much so like a minimalist, and I mm-hmm. think it it kind of understates the sexuality, doesn't make it so overtly sexual. Um, so it makes it digestible, I think, for more people. Um, which is very much so like me. Like, I don't give a fuck, but I also like want everyone to like me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, yeah. How, how did you get so like comfortable with sharing all this stuff? Like I, I pulled three, three quotes from, oh, uh, shit. sorry, Dad. Three, these were just somewhere to the top. Uh, and I thought they were great. Uh, one was imagine you're trying to strangle me and I'm just moaning. Love that. <laughs> Uh, second one, shout out to the men of the world for this one, fellas. Um, it said, men who eat pussy for their own pleasure go to heaven. So <laughs> That one is the most shared one on my whole account. Is it? Yeah. And then the last one, I really love this one. Uh, the clitoris has 8,000 nerves. If you're going to get on my nerves, get on one of those. <laughs> so these are all like, I, you know, the, I guess I was just, you know, enlightened. But there's like a, all, a whole side of Twitter that's just like sexual shit. Yeah, and so a lot of these I, I tag them. The, they're tweets from people. Gotcha. Um, I don't know where I found the men uh, who eat pussy go to heaven or whatever <laughs> for pleasure for pleasure go to heaven. I don't know where I found that. But earlier in the in, in the sorry dad Instagram, I actually photoshopped that phrase onto a billboard photo, so it looks like it's a billboard in LA. Amazing. And I was just yeah, I, I get a lot of that content from people. Some of it's like self written, like I have a few poems in there, but like you know, I just I try to aggregate everything as a brand and then i sell my art and my clothes and all that stuff yeah we're actually developing like vibrators and lube and oh stuff. my yeah. god that is they're in the works for valentine's day of next holy year holy shit yeah. look we're getting we're getting a little heads up through the pod today yeah. already <laughs> um well do you think it's important for platforms like that to actually talk because i feel like people could come across that and be like whoa this is like a, lot. a little edgy this is a yeah. lot but i feel like there's actually some weird importance to being willing to share things like that. So it's funny because I remember starting this page and being like, like my DMs on Cali Rock are already like a cesspool of like some weird, weird shit. shit. Is this some weird shit? There's some weird shit. And then like, I don't even have like, I think it's just that it comes with the territory of being a woman who like kind of shows her body on Instagram. Totally. But with Sorry Dad, I was like, fuck, this is going to be like a whole nother animal. But surprisingly, the, the DMs I get are from women thanking me for having like this community platform where we are empowered to act as we naturally would but that we're kind of taught not to Mm. you know and it's like there sorry dad's definitely for every gender sexuality it's for everyone like i do nudes of like every i've done like transgender people i've done men everything but um it's, there's definitely a heavy female empowerment undertone. Mm. And I think that a lot of people who come to the page get that vibe. So it's not, I, I want it to be more than just like, ooh, this fun, sexy thing on Instagram. Like I want it to be a, a space for people to normalize that conversation. Cause like I was always taught sex was, I'm still trying to understand that sex isn't bad. 
No. Sex isn't something that I should be ashamed of. And I, I'm, I'm 30 and I'm still trying to unlearn everything I was taught. Yeah. So, and I wasn't even raised, raised in a religious household or anything like that. But yeah. it's just like, I was never taught about sex. So in my mind, it was bad, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to just make it a conversation. I love that. Um, the, so this, the having people pay you to <laughs> make, like paint their nudes, I think is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, have you ever gotten like heat from that, especially when you were like just starting off, like starting to launch that, or yeah. has that just been smooth sailing ever Shockingly, since? Shockingly, no, no, nothing. There's been no hiccups in that business model. Um, I haven't had to deal with, I've luckily everyone's of age. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of people wanting to gift it to their significant others. I used to make prints and ship them to people if they wanted. Um, but now I just send really large digital files and then with links, um, People, like my top three favorite links where they can make canvases, posters, cards, er- mm. anything with the image. Um, just, I'm a one woman show. So like handling the logistics of everything, thank God, like, you know, Ryan um, from Fan of a Fan yeah, is, yep. is helping me a lot with other things. But um, yeah, I, I just, I can't believe people pay me to do it. Why, why do you think they pay you to do that? Because it's, it's such a vulnerable and unique thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like for me to go, I'm going to send a nude to this artist mm-hmm. and they're going to paint something of me. Yeah. Why? What's, what do you think it's doing for people? Well, I've taught, I mean, when I first started painting, like the res- being amused, there's like a very, it's such a cool feeling to be amused for someone where someone creates art out of you, mm-hmm. whether that's songwriting, poems, like physical art, photography, whatever, it, it just feels good. And I think that's the initial draw. But then I ha- I, I sent a welcome email where I just, I want people to feel comfortable. I Like I've gotten super modest images to like super erotic images. So like, um, I think it's a way for people to see their bodies differently. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I, it's a very impressionist style painting. So it's not, like my canvases are like realism, like you can see everything, but I try to make this like a loose interpretation. So like any insecurity that you think you have, you're not going to, you're going to see you, but you're not going to see those insecurities. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's funny because like, I'm so rigid as a painter and I'm trying to unlearn that too and try to be more, you know, accepting of flaws. And I read this book called Wabi Sabi, which is basically the philosophy that there's beauty and imperfection. Totally. And that's like where, sorry, dad, where I'm trying to like deconstruct everything I was taught about art and, you know, my body and all that stuff and just not give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the idea that people could see their body because that's, I think, uh, people, I mean, everybody I think has some mental conversation about like things they wish they were different with their own body. So I feel like that's actually an interesting angle to look at it where maybe it's giving people a different lens to mm-hmm. see their bodies and give them that confidence to be happy with like who yeah. they actually are. And I didn't even think the sending of nudes was like, like I, I swear I like maybe had sent, have sent like a something on Snapchat a few times over my twenties. But I, when I saw all these women, all these different body types, all these different types of women, even men sending me nudes, mm. um, I was like empowered. I was like, I'm about to, <laughs> to all the boys I've loved before. Like you get a nude, you get a nude. Like, (laughs) so like it empowered me, like seeing them be pull that inspiration from me. I got to pull that inspiration from them and be like, well, I'm do I love myself too? Wow. What a concept. (laughs) What what percentage you say are men submitting photos? 3%. Yeah. And it's funny because I appreciate it, but 
they come to me first and they're and a lot I, there's an open dialogue like they don't want to they don't want to startle me they don't want to like they're like what kind of images do you want and i'm like whatever makes you feel empowered like nothing will phase me i swear and uh but they're very respectful about it and i think i mean i get some like uh, unsolicited dick pics uh, but very few mm. um, in my dms but i don't really open those like if you if you want a nude it's on my website <laughs> you gotta pay for it <laughs> But um, it's yeah, I started doing it through the DMs where I was like, if you want a new, just DM me. And um, it was too hard to handle. I was like, I got to make this a website thing and like yeah. have there be like a flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Fucking, that's fucking dope. Never in a million years would I imagine. <laughs> My dad's that. probably at home like, what the fuck? Did, like, what do we pay for what college pa- for? What, what, do, what do the parents think? Do they care? <laughs> no, they, they as long as I'm paying the bills and successful, they're they're pop culture fans. So yeah. they're not. I, I wasn't raised in like a conservative household or anything, but yeah. When, um, when you were popping around just out of curiosity, um, after college, I know you said you went to New York, but were there was there three other cities that you went to? Yeah. So I moved to New York and then I moved to Florida for that choreography gig. Yep. Then I moved what back. Part, what part of Florida was that? Uh, Port St. Lucie, which is like 45 minutes North of West Palm beach. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, not the best place, but mm. you know, you make it work. Yeah, make it um, work. <laughs> and then I went back to New York, or no, went back to Phoenix for a year, then back to New York, and then LA. Mm, why LA? Because I had always wanted to live here, and since I you mean, were a kid, or what? Like since I was a kid, yeah, mm. I used to come to camp in Malibu every summer, like pretty, sleepaway camp. Uh, that's pretty baller. Yeah, and I was like, quick summer camp friends, in Malibu, yeah, my, like all these. I was like this girl from Phoenix who like literally hadn't seen any of any anything that was any sort of risque and then i go to this camp in malibu with all and i'm like these girls i wrote my mom being like i'm scared like come pick me up and then by the end of summer i'm like these are my bitches oh my god (laughs) so i wanted to move here and i was seeing a guy at the time too and i was deciding between austin san fran and la and like it was kind of like a pull Mm. and how long have you been how long have you been in la now almost five years so overall has it been good never felt happiness like this in my life really yeah just um the people. everything the people like well the when you find your people when you find like mm. i've never felt like a love like this for friends before like no hate to all the friends i grew up with but like <laughs> no shade no yeah shade. no shade but like the, these i don't know i just i learned so much about myself and like other people and you know the weather and fun the weather's fucking great. yeah the fact spoiled. that we can do literally anything all, all year, year round i mean i'm coming from i mean phoenix is clear or, you know scottsdale phoenix it's great weather obviously it gets hot as shit probably mm-hmm. in the summertime but uh coming from massachusetts dealing with the oh, winter right. like i was out working out today without a shirt on and i got sunburned and that's not happening in no. october massachusetts like no. you're wearing hoodies you're wearing hella layers yeah so the weather is dope uh it's just incredible out here did it take you did it take you a bit of time to like find the right community when you first got out here did you because you had you said you had the boy out here mm-hmm. did you know anyone else or um the boy the man the man sorry uh, yeah i mean i don't even remember him anymore it's been so long but um moving on yeah he my life was him I, I didn't really know who i was i didn't really have many friends because of it and um when i broke up with when we broke up it was this chaotic explosion of not fun yeah um i moved to the west side from pasadena and i went to the gym two when, different worlds i know this guy was a lot older than me, so he had like his life in Pasadena, and I was like 
this is LA. Like this is. Oh yeah. That's and then nice. I moved to Santa Monica. I was like, this is LA. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pasadena is beautiful. Yeah. If you're ready to have kids and yeah. like keep it low key, but that's so I was worlds. a kid when I moved there. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, but then I moved to the West side and I went to the gym one day with one of my friends I worked with and he brought this girl, Steffi. Hi Steffi. Um, <laughs> and I remember looking at her and being like, you're too pretty to be my friend. I was like, is this what people look like over here? And she was so warm and welcome. She got my phone number. She wanted to hang out. And I was like, what? Like me? I was mm. so insecure at that point. Like that relationship beat me down. I was like, I met her and I just like got these really amazing group of friends. And it just kind of, you know, you all, you know, birds of a feather flock together. It, it yeah. just expanded to like this massive community of amazing people here now. I just, I can't even... I can't. It takes time to find that. For sure. It's, I mean, I, I just hit three years in LA and I feel like I'm now just, I also neglected that area of my life for a while where it was just like business, like everything was always, for the first two and a half years of living in LA, everything was calculated. It was mm -hmm. either driving Uber or it was podcasting with people yeah. or it was like going to this party because I knew there's people going to be there that mm -hmm. I was going to be able to potentially podcast with. But now in the last six months, it's like, um, going to things with no expectation mm -hmm. and to go there to just solely enjoy LA. Yeah. Um, well, in the beginning, it is that like survival mode. It's like, totally. you know, I never know what this opportunities can fall anywhere here. And so I get that. Like we're all hustling and maybe not have the best intentions at first, but we're all just doing the best of what we have at the time. But when you find your people and you're comfortable in your job, it's just like effortless. I find totally. Um, one topic I've been hitting on, and we'll go into it now because we kind of just segued from it, is dating. That's one thing I've been hitting a lot in these oh, recent God. podcasts. <laughs> oh, God. What's, so what's the status for Cali oh, Rock? Oh, my God. Single, seeing. Oh, my God. Feeling <laughs> um, out the LA market. What's, what's, the, it's what, funny, what's the hot take? Not only am I not even talking to a guy right now, but like I'm not even like... I don't even have one in mind that I want to talk to. Mm -hmm. I just like ended this like year long, super toxic thing with a much younger boy. So the boy came in. Yeah. A boy. That was the boy. Yeah. Yeah. Got rid of a man, found a boy, <laughs> chaos. Like I really got to find the average, like there's got to be a happy medium of a guy my age, but no, I had a, a lot of fun with that dude, but my fault for even dabbling in that age range. But, um, yeah, nobody, absolutely nobody. I'm worried. I'm at that point where, like, am I ever going to feel anything for anyone again? Mm. Um, I don't think I will, but <laughs> challenge accepted. Oh, why, why was it toxic, though? Anything um, specific? I went into it thinking, like, okay, he was 21 at the time. He just turned 21, and I was just about to turn 30. And I was like, oh, something that could be fun. Mm. Like, he's, like, super playful. I'm super playful. I love to dance. He's a dancer. It was, like, super fun. And... I'm a Scorpio, so oh, I'm either... Women love this shit. I'm either <laughs> completely indifferent or obsessed. And I tried my hardest to find a, a, like, a medium. Yeah. Could not do it. Um, in the beginning, uh, I was like, okay, this is great. I, I, I feel nothing for this kid, but like have a great time. And then I was like... <laughs> and then I was like, one day I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because he went away for a while at the end of last year and i like kind of, and then in january i was like you know what I, this doesn't feel good for me anymore i'm done and then he's like i get it totally fine whatever we were fine and then two days later he's like can i come over and i'm like yes uh, <laughs> and that, that it was kids. basically that dynamic where it's like i gotta step away from this and he's like but but can we talk and i'm like yes and i'm yeah. like okay i'm done yeah. like i'm done done and so that's where we are now. We're we're amicable, but like 
no, you can't come over. <laughs> you might get a text after this goes live. Uh, I got a text yesterday. Wow. Did you shoot it down? I just, you know, sent him an emoji. Uh, smart. Yeah. Smart. What's, uh, the, here's, here's a little thing. Most of the people that listen to this podcast are men. Oh, hello. So there's a lot of men <laughs> listening to this podcast. I, I probably should give a little bit of a preference on that before just to yeah. let you know that there's a very high skewing male um, demographic listening. What So... Especially it's been interesting to have women on the pot. I mean, you're the second one, so I can't yeah. say, speak that there's been plenty of women. Mm-hmm. But um, um, it's one angle when I've been talking to other guys about like their dating in LA or whatever, just in general. Mm-hmm. But I always think it's interesting getting the woman's perspective because guys are like fucking shotting notes down. Yeah. What's uh, in your personal um, views, what is a turn on and what is a turn off in somebody else? Oh, man. Um turn on intelligence mm. and passion for something other than me but like that would be nice <laughs> <laughs> need the passion for you uh, but also yeah. you, so you want them to be intelligent and passionate about something else as well yeah i want them to like it's funny because i as i shifted my life into this art world i'm like i i don't think i could date i don't want i don't want an ordinary life I don't want the life that I thought I had to have. Like, mm. maybe that's what happens. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have literally no preference of where my life's going. I'm just seeing what happens. But it's like, I feel like I need to date a creative, but then I realize I've done that and it's like not a good mix. I don't know. Mm. I have no type. Um, everyone I've dated has been infinitely different than the other. And I'm just kind of like, I, I like I don't know what I'm looking for mm. in terms of, I feel like, and with dating apps, it's hard because, you know, I really need to feel someone's energy and like men aren't the, no offense, aren't the best at selling themselves on dating apps. And like, I'm sure I'd be like obsessed with one of them, but like, I can't tell that from this point of view. So like, and you know, Corona's made it difficult to just like be around people, but, um, totally. Well, men like, men like to put up a front. Yeah. They like to like play fucking Mr. Hardball. Yeah. And it's just not like, I think one thing I, I, I learned, especially from this younger guy, which was the opposite of my older ex. Um, I love when people can balance uh, their masculine energy with their feminine energy because, like, mm. we have both. And I think when you suppress the feminine energy, not that you have to be like Metro or like whatever. It's just, um, you know, the softer side of a man's personality is like really endearing. Yeah. And I think you know we're, to- we're you're taught not to not to share that share it yeah and i just love when people do do from your experience do you think that is a problem for most men that they just are too scared to like open up and like share things that are actually on their mind i feel i i feel i feel like my masculine energy is pretty you know in the forefront of my personality and i think there becomes this like competition Mm. at least in my mind where i feel like i'm not emasculating them but i feel like i'm not I don't know. I, I I don't know. I just I I feel like I don't play the uh, the normal role of a female all mm-hmm. the time. Like I don't like having help with anything. And I know men love to help, like <laughs> with with like <laughs> physical things. I don't Let know. Let me get that for you. Let me help. Yeah, you out. like I should really just help like delegate things. I don't know. But um, I don't know. I just I used to look for someone to complete me, and now I feel like I I know who I am now, and mm-hmm. I, I I have no idea how anyone else is gonna fit in that picture. But I'm excited to find out who it is. Totally. But like I don't know. I don't I don't have any preference or. 
anything really. I just you just go with the good flow. vibes. You have enough. You have enough to focus on in your day to day with what you want to do. Yeah, that it's it has to kind of perfectly mix yeah. in and not. That's just such a beautiful position to be in, and, and that's the beautiful thing about I've the people that I've met through podcasting are just on a different wave than normal population. And even I'm sure the people that you are surrounded by in LA are probably creative, successful, like passionate. they're passionate. They're not following like the path that a lot of people will follow. So it, your world is around that all the time. And so it's just, it's just naturally part of your world. But even go back to like when you were in the corporate world, like that wasn't a mindset like I don't even know that girl yeah well see that's what I'm saying so it's like you um you your the way the perspective of the way you see the world is so much influenced by the people that you're around and then I think that energy ends up helping you because it's giving you the confidence to continue to pursue Mm -hmm. art or whatever that passion is but all that to say as well the you're gonna need and this is I'm speaking to myself as well you're gonna need somebody that's super passionate about something Mm -hmm. so that when Anything. you're head down, fucking going crazy on this art, they're not trying to pull you away because, like, yo, go or they don't understand they're your hype why. Man. Yeah, they're your hype man. They yeah. want to see you crush it. They're giving you that boost of energy, like, yeah. yo, keep crushing that shit. And there's a difference between like, because I, I feel like I've dealt with this dynamic before. There's a difference between being in awe of what I do or like supportive of what I do and understanding what I do mm. and the process of it. And it, I'm gonna have to be with someone who understands the process of it a little bit yeah and how it's exhausting honestly like not just coming up with the concepts but actually physically executing it is exhausting. Oh, i can't even imagine like after that kehlani one i was in bed for four days straight because my back was like fucked up but so other than the kehlani will smith do you have any like favorite pieces that you've done that have meant the most to you um Obviously i did tough to oh see. yeah <laughs> i did this one um i don't i it's it was inspired by a guy who was an artist, uh, a singer, and I don't know why I did that. Um, <laughs> Nobody saw it, don't worry. It's, yeah, yeah, it's only true. audio. That's, That's the best true. part. No visual. They can't see us. Um, but it was a weird time in my life. Um, I found him on Spotify, and I was like in love with his voice and his music. And I went and I found him on Instagram, and I just followed him. And honestly, I was like, okay, like average looking dude, whatever. And then we started DMing each other, and I was like, hmm. And then I became obsessed with him because I have no self-control. And then um, it was this weird toxic thing for like a very long time. It was, he lived in another country and um, then he ended up coming to LA and yada, yada, yada. But basically I was so mentally distraught from him by the end of it. It was such an emotional roller coaster for me. He was the type of guy that would like love bomb me and then disappear for seven days and be like, I love missing someone. And I'm like, I'm distraught (laughs) sir (laughs) but anyways i was like oh artists they're so funky like Uh. whatever um and then so the i remember thinking sitting down and i'm like i need to paint i need to paint something just because that's my happy place and i need to heal from this i need to find a way to just kind of like vomit it onto something so i don't have to think about it ever again so i thought of this one concept and i was like okay i have to commit to the concept because basically what i have to do is i have to go through every message he ever sent me and i have to write down really ones that really affected me for good or for worse yeah all of the good stuff he ever said to me was actually manipulation to me because like he would say 
I'm a words of affirmation person, so he would say all these things, but act the opposite. So I'm like, what the actual fuck? Because I, be- I believe everything. I'm so, I believe everything that anyone ever says to me. <laughs> Don't use that against me. <laughs> um, but so basically, I, I found all these messages he sent me, and I, in red writing, wrote them on the back of the canvas, all of them, behind this girl who had her hands around her neck. Oh, I saw that. I've seen that. Yeah. That so one. she that that's representing like I I had my own hands around my neck because I knew what I was doing. I knew that wasn't me. And the, that's my friend, Sarah. But like I knew that this was a toxic situation and I still continued to stay in there. So like I had the power to leave. It's called power over me because like those words literally just. So that one means a lot to me. I don't know if I'll ever sell it, but like I want to sell it. But like it would have to be a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so cool that you can take uh situations obviously that's not a situation you want to be in or deserve to be in but to see the opportunity and like the feeling and that emotion and then find a way to actually creatively create something that represents that That, moment in your life that's a weird i wrote this thing that got shared a lot over the internet the other day it's funny i was at a party and some guy brought it up and i was like i wrote that and it was this thing that said um Use your use your art to heal what's broken, but don't break yourself in order to create. Because there's this fine line where I feel like with this young kid from the last year, like I remember every time I'd feel super down about it, I'm like, I'm going to make really cool art out of it. And I stayed in it for so long. Yeah. And it just, it it over it takes over your brain. But I feel like at p- points I'm like masochistic. I'm like, I'm doing it for the art or whatever. Mm. So I have to You're not, rationalizing yeah. it. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely rationalizing staying and it's just it's this weird like need to like get to places like that that's i gotta stop doing (laughs) (laughs) but like i haven't learned so you live and you learn it's funny i made these three paintings over the last few months and one was in the depth of like i like the day after i had a mental breakdown about this dude and then a couple was like i was my i don't give a fuck about him stage where i just like (laughs) super indifferent and then one when i was like healed from it and like you could see the difference between all three paintings and i was like wow that was a fun little there, journey. There's there's yeah. three different emotions. A little Never bit of doing that again. Yeah, there's a little like, bit of roller coaster. Yeah. Um, I'm just super curious, like the process. So you, you're gaining inspiration for these pieces of art through uh, emotions that are happening in your life. I would imagine anything that's happening in the world mm-hmm. or maybe music. Um, but like you have that moment and it clicks. What's kind of like your process for creating is it like you feel the inspiration and then you'll spend 12 hours straight and go into it? Or do you try to like treat what you do like a job in the sense of like, uh, you know, you want to commit from noon till 8 p.m. tomorrow where you're head down just so you like force yourself to show up? Like what's the creative process for you? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, discipline is hard. Um, but I've learned about myself that I get all these crazy ideas and these visions in my head of what I want to do, whether it's a canvas or whether, like, I don't know if you saw this like video I made once where I get these ideas. Dance one? The one, yeah. no, not the Cardi one. Cardi B one? Not the one. You fucking crushed that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I was like, I knew my dance training would come back for me. <laughs> um, I don't know how you put your leg that high up. My shit would fucking just, break. They stretch you from oh, a young gosh. age. So. There it is. There it is. Um, but I did this one video thing where I, I, was listening to a song which is where a lot of my art comes from and i envisioned my friend dominic and we were in like a warehouse and i was painting and he was dancing i didn't have a storyline around it but i called my director friend ryan and dominic and i was like in this my friend dominic was like calm down just like explain your thought (laughs) and i'm like okay can we do it and they're like yes calm down we'll do it and three months later we like did this whole video concept thing that just no purpose other than to create something cool but 
um, usually when I get an idea, I just, I need to do it right then and there. Mm. And if I don't do it right then and there, I'll get over the idea. Mm. Um, so if I don't work fast enough, I'll like lose inspiration. And then that's when I get in this vicious circle of not doing anything. Yeah. Um, sorry, dad helps. Cause like it's a consistent creative outlet. Paintings are like, it's just so much physical work and it's, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Well, do you ever feel like one, I love that idea where you think of something and, and you're like, you tell yourself you have to go do it because I think sometimes, um, I've done it in, in my own work where I like, I, I see through the piece or the vision of like some podcasts that I do, do like solo and I'm like not confident with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, one thing that I've, always done to myself even with um guest podcasts like somebody's asked me like have you ever like had a guest where the conversation just was like so bad that you didn't put it out i was like no i've always put out every podcast even if i didn't think it was great mm-hmm. respecting people's time they took the time to be part of it the lot la- i'm gonna put it out mm-hmm. but i also feel like there's so much importance in following through even though it might not be your best work even though it might not be your favorite piece there's something about that consistency and that discipline of like following it straight through, you know, pushing it out and then moving on because it's like, one, you don't know how people are going to react to it and you're going to learn something from doing Mm -hmm. it. So do you ever, are you ever like in the process and you're like, fuck, I do not want to do this? So as a kid, whenever I'd paint, I remember the feeling of, I fucking hate this. I fucking hate what I made. Like I, like, I remember like throwing tantrums in art classes when I was like six being like, I hate this. Well, I was just so judgmental of everything I did. And I'm still super hard on myself. Mm. Or I'm like, I, I have this feeling like every painting that comes out next has to be infinitely greater than the last one. And I'm mm. like, no, it doesn't. It just has to be a part of, you know, my journey through whatever this is. I don't even have a plan. Um, and so there's this one painting I, I'm starting this week where, you know, I feel like I need, always need to like have the concept done in my head before I start but it keeps me from starting. So what mm. I realize is like, I don't know what this, what's how this one's going to end up, but I just have to start. That's my mm. problem. But you're right. Like I, I, I just have to get rid of that whole, like, um, like it needs to be the best thing ever. Yeah. Well, I never, I think it's never going to be the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I think you're, there's always going to be, uh, projects that you feel really confident about. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be projects where you feel really shitty about, but I feel like just the process of like seeing it through is so much like it's such a win. Sometimes I forget about it because I get so I get so in my own lane. I've got and I mean, it, take, it took me years to get to this place where like I get inspired by other pe- other podcasters or people in like my creative space. But I'm not like worried about them. I'm not like, oh, fuck, they're like putting out more content. Than me. I'm so just like focused on my like lane that I'm just so in it that I. I get so consistent and that's just, I'm just so fucking disciplined because I won't allow myself to not, Mm -hmm. but I forget sometimes that that in itself is so much of a win because there are so many people. And even when I was getting into the podcast game where I was kind of frozen at times or like, I don't fucking know like how to do this or like, it wasn't, I didn't have the tools for, I just wasn't confident enough to to actually fall through with it. Mm -hmm. But it's just like such a, it is so much a success, even for somebody like yourself, where it's like you just picking up the brush and actually showing up that day is the biggest win. Mm-hmm. And I'm so big on like count up the small wins on a daily basis. Like look for those two to three small wins that in this moment in time, it seems like 
it has no impact on you. But count up over the week, over a month, mm-hmm. and then all those little wins just built up to something massive. I'm literally going to have your voice saying that exact thing in my head this week because that's the one thing that like I do applaud myself for the little things, but like I just I I forget that the pro it's a process. Yeah. And I, I'm not just going to wake up and finish a painting. Yeah. And I, I, I keep reminding myself, I was like, I don't know what technique I'm going to use. I don't know, like, am I going to use this medium or this one? And I was like, I'm not going to know until I do it. Yeah. Like, I might hate this painting, but at least I know I don't want to do that again. Yeah. And I, I've been bad at that, but I'll be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I mean, I really do believe it's always like a work in progress, mm-hmm. but you can, you can almost rewire your brain into seeing things differently for sure like i specifically will follow certain people for instance like somebody like casey neistat Mm -hmm. videographer he reposted my quote too really someone came at me like why'd you steal casey's quote i'm like come on guys yeah that's my fucking yeah yeah what the fuck (laughs) um but he's like a great example of somebody that incredibly successful youtuber Mm -hmm. filmmaker and if you actually watch his youtube videos it is the most basic form of the craft because it's just cuts it's just edits it's not fucking crazy transitions mm-hmm. it's not all this Which like i love that. it's that's and that's the raw it's super raw he recently posted something on twitter and i, I fucking ate it up because i was always curious about this too um he uses i believe final cut or adobe premiere mm-hmm. and um and all of his videos he his font is helvetica mm-hmm. i think and he like he screenshotted this conversation he was having with somebody he's like I don't use Helvetica because I like the text or I think it looks a certain way. I use it because it's the default font mm-hmm. on fucking my editing program. And I was like, dude, this is like. That's it. This is the In art and of form. itself, that's a vibe. In and of itself. I think, I think Gen Z <clears throat> is bringing us back to raw. Yeah. Like with TikTok where people are just like throwing up everything. Yeah. To. I, my friend, sometimes my friends will send me their photos they want to post on Instagram. And I, I know there's this like trend where people literally just take a photo of like a Cheetos bag and they're like a vibe or whatever. <laughs> and my friends will literally text me photos and be like, is this Gen Z enough to post on Instagram? Which means, is this just the rawest form of zero effort, wow. which is a vibe? And I'm like, I love this because a lot of the times I don't want to paint or do something is because I'm like, fuck, I have to document this. Mm. And I love... I'm going to, now that I know Casey does that, I'm just going to, I'm just going to set up a camera and be like, whatever I capture, I capture and then we'll figure it out. Totally. I think that in itself, and that was something that I did with the old podcast where I had a buddy of mine who would shoot BTS of everything mm-hmm. and, and not knowing what we were going to do with it or when we would post it, we didn't, it's just like, what does this even matter? Like mm-hmm. documenting the process of these guests coming in, like, what does this really matter? At the end of the day, having that shit documented, whether it's you in your painting process or a meeting or some creative conversation, just having that footage is going to be so valuable mm-hmm. in like a year from now yeah. or uh, just because it's your, it's like the process of your constant evolution. And so now I go back and I can watch. I don't go back, but if I wanted to go back and be like, what was that day like that I met this guest? I can mm-hmm. go back to that footage and see it and like relive it but then also know that that moment in time has is forever captured and yeah. I can re- and I've repurposed some of that content before but and and the people who are watching like I used to just f- post the final product of my paintings but I think the people watching except uh, like especially people who do podcasts or other artists um seeing the just glimpses of 
of you and your element. Mm -hmm. Like, not, I mean, we're already humanized, but like it brings this sense of I can do that too. Totally. That's the reality of it. I can do it too. And I think I've met a lot of cool artists from all over the country and all over the world. And we kind of bounce ideas off each other. And like, you know, I don't know. I think half the, like I paint because I love to paint. I love to make pretty things, but like to inspire other people to quit their jobs and paint. Like we need more people like you. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. Uh, how would you, and this is something I should have asked earlier, but I'm curious, and I would imagine if somebody made it this far and they don't know who Callie Rock is, you probably looked her up on Instagram if you <laughs> fucking made it this far because we've talked about a lot about painting, but how would you describe to somebody like your work? <sighs> oh. <laughs> There's so much hesitation in that. I huh? know, it's because, <clears throat> you know, the one thing I've struggled with is like, I don't have a thing yet. I don't know what my thing is. Like I went from painting these portraits of girls in black and white with like bright colors, backgrounds. Then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I hate color. Mm. So I'm going to take all the color out. So the last few big paintings are all black and white. I did this self portrait a year ago for my 30th in black and white. And I was like, okay, black and white's my thing. And then over this past year, I've been doing this like different technique with like palette knives. And I just, I don't know what my thing is yet. Like, I dabble in realism because it showcases a talent that I have. It's very hard to do and honestly not that enjoyable of a process. But like the end result, I'm like, oh, that feels good. The, mm. I, I did that like mm. sort of thing. Um, but I definitely think throughout everything, um, there will be always be a common th- theme of like women empowerment. Mm. Like except for that one video I did. Um, all my muses have been women. There's always like some female form, whether it's a line drawing, an actual person, like a figure of some sort. There's always like the female body. Mm. Um, I used to be the type of person growing up. I literally said, I don't think a woman should be president because we're too emotional or too hormonal. And I'm taking that from personal experience being like, I'm crazy. I was gaslighting everything about myself as a woman, whether it was emotionally, sexually, everything. I was like all the internalized misogyny was mm. rampant in my own self and i just i've worked really hard to like unlearn all that and i think that's i want my art to touch that part of me always yeah so like i'll paint men i have no problem painting men but there's something about a woman that yeah. i just like i go to bed every night praying i wake up lesbian but i'm just it's not <laughs> happening <laughs> but maybe one day it'll happen yeah i mean i've dabbled <laughs> but like I, like, maybe maybe that'll be the uh, the the clip that I use on social media. Cali Rock new podcast. <laughs> I go to sleep every night, waking up, wishing I wake up a lesbian. I mean, I do. There's this one girl. I don't even know if she listens to this. I don't even know if she'll think, she'll know that I'm talking about her. But like, I don't know. I I like feel things, not just like physically, but like I don't know. Maybe it's a thing. Dad, I hope you're listening. Mm. Sorry, Dad. So we'll see. I'll update you. Maybe it will do a recap. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, even just mindsets of who I was 10 years ago and the way I saw the world. Like when I was in college, I thought corporate America. I thought that was like my fucking dream. Mm-hmm. And like, I got to have the suits. I got to have the BMW. I need a Rolex. The like that's six set. Yeah. yeah. Like. So it's it it's crazy how much we as humans evolve, and I actually have weirdly so much um, 
I was thinking about this a lot when all this Black Lives Matter shit was really starting to pop up because I grew up in an environment in a high school. I went to high school with blacks, Ukrainians, Russians, Muslim. I mean, I went to a very diverse high school, so it was just like, obviously, in, in those history classes, you're learning about pastimes of America, and it just feels like so far long ago that I'm like, like it's never going to happen again, right? right? Um, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around Totally. This. Yeah. But I weirdly like I have so much empathy for the people that are on the other side of the fence for the Black Lives Matter because what I see in them are people that were just they're products of where they were raised mm-hmm. and the lessons and the values that they were taught. Mm-hmm. So like I if I if I be if I'm realistic and I'm like, okay, well what if I was raised in their environment? Mm-hmm. There's always those outliers that like they're raised in an environment, but they know it's like this is not right, or they become a, they go down a different path. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of majority of people that are the products of that environment, and so um, I just think we sometimes like we we see people for who they are, and we don't and we disagree with what they stand for, which I, I I'm for. Like mm-hmm. I I think we all are entitled to our own opinions, but mm-hmm. sometimes we have to like think about. Why do they think that way? Mm-hmm. And not saying you have to be best friends with them, but like understand like they're solely a product of their environments, which all that goes to say is like we, the environment you were raised in maybe taught you those lessons mm-hmm. or, you know, things that I thought was the success because I was in high school and everyone's telling me like, I'm going to college and I'm going to climb this corporate ladder. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I got to mm-hmm. do. Like I, I need to do that. That's success. That's yeah. what all males are supposed to do make a lot of money and then you just get older and you start getting exposed to other realities and you're like wait that mm-hmm. i actually don't believe in that whatsoever that's why i think like yeah i look back on like growing up in phoenix and you know that it's a different world even from la but i think that's the importance of travel whether mm-hmm. it's even if it's just in this country like i'm sure if i went to you know these states that I, you know, subconsciously judge the population of because mm-hmm. of politics, usually. Um, I'm sure I would meet amazing people with those differing views. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't see those people or I am not around them. So I just blanket statements over everyone. And I've had to check myself this year with, you know, getting overwhelmed by the polarization of like everything. But I do have empathy. It's just. I get frustrated. No, I feel you. I, and I'm not, and I'm not justifying and saying like have empathy and not say anything and not mm-hmm. stand up for what you have to say. But but there's a way to but do don't it. Grace. Al- but don't yeah. allow yourself to emotionally get so fucking like fired up. Yeah. Where it's like they don't deserve to get you emotionally to that level. Yeah. Like to always keep it within control. Yeah. And still stand for what you believe in and still share your like your voice. Mm-hmm. But always remembering like. I know where, like, I get it. But the the only way to get through to those people, not that you have to change their minds, but just to let them know how you digest things is you've got to approach it with grace. Mm -hmm. Like, I think liberals especially, like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's this idea that we're a lot smarter than people who vote from certain states or something. And then there's this condescending nature that comes with that territory. And I'm like, if we just approached every conversation with with an, more of an open mind because like mm-hmm. even as liberals like we're supposed to be the tolerant left or whatever but like are we yeah and i catch myself every day being like bitch 
chill. Yeah. Um, but it's a tough, this year's tough. Yeah. I need this election to be over. Yeah, I know. And I need Biden <laughs> to win. <laughs> well, time's... I know we're not going to get political, but... <laughs> we, won't go down too, we won't go too much yeah. down that rabbit hole. Uh, there's a, I wish I knew the quote, but uh, I think there's a bit about Oprah where she taught, and this was, I think, years ago, but she she talks about the importance of being open-minded and being able to have a conversation with somebody that you completely disagree with. And how I think she says something along the lines that every time she goes into a conversation with somebody that she knows she doesn't, like, is polar opposite of her, she says she tries to leave that conversation with, oh, I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Or, like, trying to um, see things from a different lens and at least allow her to put herself in their shoes and, and see where they're coming from for whatever they might be yeah, uh, talking I think, about. I think that's important too. And I've had a lot of practice talking about this stuff within my own family. Yeah, And you know, those are people you're programmed to love. So it's a good lesson for me to be like, if I don't find that person, if I don't find that perspective, if I don't understand where they're coming from, I'm going to end up hating my family and yeah. I can't do that. So like, it, that's a good lesson for me. Yeah. 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 The Super fa- fun time. Family. Well, it's interesting because I was just back visiting family in July and uh, I, I see my, I, I see mo- majority of my family twice a year at this mm-hmm. point being on the other side of the country. But, uh, you know, when you're growing up, um, most of my family, like they didn't really talk. I mean, my direct family doesn't talk about politics, yeah, but same. even outside of that, uncles and aunts or whatever, uh, when you're growing up, it's not really a conversation. It's like, how's high school? How's college? Like, mm-hmm. nobody's asking about your political yeah. view. Um, and then you, as you get older and you start to hear these conversations more and you start to take note, and you're like, I never, I'm not generalizing this person, but I never knew that's what you thought. Uh-huh. And then it's like, oh. It's funny because I was raised <clears throat> in a super Republican household, not conservative values, but more just like, you know, fiscally conservative or whatever. But, um, I would vote Republican and I would be like vocally Republican. And then, you know, I got out into the world and I was mm. like, absolutely the fuck not. Mm. I am not, Repu- I, I can respect those views. And I, I can, I think the, the coexistence of um, Republicans and Democrats having conversations is like a beautiful thing. And then there's this administration, but we don't have to get into that, but I'm just trying to convince my family. I was like, you can wear that name tag proud as a Republican. You can keep that. But you don't have to support this administration. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You're you're very confident. You don't give a fuck. I don't give a just, fuck. That's... I come out my family every fucking day. It's exhausting. I'm sorry, mom and dad and Kyle, but get your shit together. Get your shit together. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> what what's been one of the biggest learnings for you since COVID? Especially March, April, and I would argue May were probably. There were, it was true lockdown, like mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, like you, I mean, when I think back to when this shit really hit the fan, going to the grocery store, line mm-hmm. out the door, they're only letting 20 people at a time. There was never toilet paper. I literally felt like I was living in one of those movies, like where the world is ending. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is actually my reality. Mm-hmm. So it was fucking gnarly. Um, and then those first like eight to 10 weeks were like, it was true lockdown. It was a lot of downtime, a lot of time to like think and see myself inward and ask myself questions. So I'm curious how this overall quarantine has been like for you. And I feel like the last three months, it's kind of, things are sure. somewhat back to normal, yeah. but overall, what's what's it been like for you? Well, if you ask any of my friends, I'm the person, like if I'm ever alone, people are like, is she okay? Like I'm always doing something social i'm always with people like 
it's almost to a codependent nature with my friends. It's like we're always sleeping at each other's houses. Like mm. we're never alone. And it's been like that for a few years now. And even the first three weeks of quarantine, I, I spent three weeks at my friend Paisley's house, mm. like sharing a bed, like, you know, we're like, oh, this is a fun little like quarantine thing. We thought it was going to be like a, a month. And I was like, maybe I should go home. <laughs> so I went home. They were giving tickets out at one point in know, LA. Like I it know. was like pretty gnarly. It was like, you can't be out. Yeah. So past- we were like, we might as well like do this together. Yeah. Respect. Um, and then I left, I went home and then, you know, I'm alone with my thoughts. <laughs> and mm. then, so my, I meet up with my friend Allie and then Allie and I are together for a month. I go down to her parents' house in PV. She's up at my place. Like we're not separating. And then I'm like, it's just a weird time because like you know if people everyone's living a different life now so i can't Mm. just like call my group of friends we're not going to go meet at the waterfront we're not going to go to like house part well we are we do a little bit (laughs) um but then i and then i moved out and i got my own place by myself and i was like okay i have to be i have to figure out how to be alone Mm. not only for my mental health but like my career like i have to i have to not avoid painting to miss out on like to like go to social things or whatever, like with mm. my friends, like. Well, you're saying you would you would pick painting so you can you would. I I would not paint for fear of missing out. Totally. Um, and I was like, this is my life now. This has been my life, and I think COVID has taught me that you know we are kind of in it. Like all we have is ourselves, mm-hmm. and I think I didn't really look within because of all of the social distractions and partying all the time um and now it's had to i had to calm down and i had to kind of like figure out what i wanted what is going to make me happy that didn't rely on everyone else Mm. and i cannot tell you how much joy being alone brings me now Mm. like i still i have to convince myself to go out and do things but i never regret doing those things but do you is it do you love being alone because there's always something you want to do whether it's like working on a piece of art, watching a documentary, reading a book, listening to music, like, or is it just like you're just comfortable with? I think now I'm just comfortable not needing, you know, someone near me. Mm. Um, right now I get in these really deep political rabbit holes on the internet, which I got to, I got to get out. We got it. We got to cut that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No we're more. Not, we're not going to do you that. You leave today, you go. Yeah. I'm yeah. leaving politics behind. I know. I need to like. I need to put my phone down and paint, but like I get that is another problem. But um, I respect that though. Yeah. Because you're 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 stepping up and you're vocalizing mm-hmm. what you how you feel. So yeah. it's like I, I respect people that can do that. It's, it's similar to that the the Black Lives Matter post yeah. that you had that went viral. Very similar. It's like which is funny. People came at me for that who are on my own side. So it's crazy. Wow. It's, if you read the comments, they're pretty savage. Is it? I had to like stop reading the comments for my like that week. I remember calling my friend Jules, who works in PR. I was like, "When is this going to stop?" She's like, "Give it like forty-eight hours." And then, like a week later, I'm like, "When is it going to stop?" How did it? Why? Well, this is obviously a stupid question to ask because you don't even probably know. But like, was there a certain person that reposted it, or it just? I, I don't know who the first. I remember going. I posted at like eight p.m. on like a Tuesday. I woke up the next <laughs> eight p.m. on a Tuesday. I woke I woke up the next day and I had like a thousand shares, and I'm like, "That's pretty. That's pretty crazy." And that day, I went to a protest from like ten a.m. to six p.m. I didn't even look at my phone. I kept it in my backpack the whole day. And I, the protest ended, it had 50,000 shares. So it was really, and then E! News posted it. Khloe Kardashian posted it. Viola Davis, Emma Watson. Reposted it? Reposted it. Oh on my. their, on their feeds. Holy well, actually Khloe's was on her shit. story, but I, and I was like, I was like shaking in my, and more, bec- I was shaking because I, I don't, I, 
I always, you know, everyone wants to be famous, but like, I've never had that many eyes on me. And I, and it was for, I mean, I thought it was for just a human rights movement, but it was, it, then it became a political thing. And like people on my own side were coming at me saying I'm enabling white people or like all in angles I didn't think were possible. And I'm just like, I don't, it's scary. And that's why I was silent for a long time. And then I started coming out more with politics vocally recently. And I like regret it every day, but I'm like, I, I'm so passionate about it. I like need to say something, but I'm mm-hmm. like terrified. And like, I got to find the balance. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's fucking gnarly though. It's crazy. Um, it has like almost 300,000 shares now. Yeah. I definitely was one of those for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy because you don't know how your words can impact people yeah. and then it just goes at scale and it's like crazy that, that I, I the reason i wrote it is because a bunch of my friends had said the same exact thing for the most part like i don't know i'm not doing anything because i feel like what i'm gonna do is wrong mm. and i'm like you just have to do something yeah and then i guess everyone's feeling like that <laughs> wow i don't there was something i was asking about and i don't remember now because that just took me down a rabbit hole um oh being vocal about politics is scary yeah. you don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck <laughs> That's so, that's so fire. <laughs> My parents probably hate me. But. That's so fire. Um, how would you define ladylike? Whew. Not giving a fuck. Mm. Because, you know, it, it's not the only definition in the Webster Miriam or Miriam Webster dictionary, but it's, it's one of the ones listed lacking in strength. Um, and I remember, how they, how's that? Okay. How, how are they okay with that? It's <clears throat> deeply ingrained in the patriarchy. I think, I think, Men probably wrote it. Did you see I posted a comment yesterday? I I don't know if you're on my close friends list, but I'll add you. <laughs> Please add. Um, I, I commented on my friend Allie's post. She's like making fun of her friend's boyfriend in her caption. And I jokingly wrote, men are trash. Wait, what? And because I told my friend Allie, I was like, I need to stop saying men are trash because it's becoming part of my psyche. And I'm like, mm. then I'm judging people and I got to step back a little. But I wrote that as a joke. And the comment got removed three times for hate speech. Men are, that's all I said. Men are trash. And it, what? I have, I took a screenshot, I put it on my story and I was like, a man wrote this algorithm, didn't they? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's actually gnarly. So I'm trying to, with this next series of paintings, I'm trying to redefine ladylike and I'm already shooting girls um, naked and, but it's not going to be anything like, you'll see, you'll see. I don't know, really know how to describe, I don't really know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I have a vision that I want mm. and I want to like highlight <clears throat> these women and. I have, uh, I was, I was going to make it political and I might still do that, <laughs> but like, we'll see. I feel like I need to make a statement, but I also like want to be like timeless and saleable. So mm. we'll see. Yeah. You got to find the balance because mm-hmm. you want people to come I'm through. I'm still a businesswoman at the end of the day, yeah. but <clears throat> I might do some political like accent pieces. So not the main six foot pieces, but like have some accent canvases with some shit on them. <laughs> yeah, that's fire. We'll see. That's fire. Is there, um... Is there any area in your life in which you need to put more effort into or you want to put more effort into? Um, what you said earlier, the, I just need to, I just need to do it. Mm. I just need to stop making excuses or overthinking or thinking that I'm, it's like, I'm not going to do well or whatever. I just need to, I need to wake up earlier in the day. I wake up at like nine 30, but I want to wake up at like seven. It's all relative. Oh, okay. So I go to bed at like three. Give me, give me an average day. What your day looks like. I wake up at like 9.30-ish. What's the first thing? What's the first, in the first hour, what do you do? I'm on my phone. Cut that shit. I know. First three hours of my day, no phone. I know, Continue I need to do on. that. Uh, then I make, 
I make celery juice. Okay. And I drink that. And then I work out. Okay. And then I, depends whether I have like back end sorry dad stuff or like things I need to take care of or I'll like sit with my iPad and do the nudes. Um, and then painting is not a consistent thing, but I, I with this next series, I'm going to, I want to have a certain number of hours of the day that I paint, mm. but I like to paint like in the middle of the night, which then it fucks up the next day. And it's just like, Oh, cause you're up too late. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so you're saying you get up usually nine 30 every morning and then what time do you usually average go to sleep? Midnight one, like two, two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's all relative. Yeah. I'm still sleeping a normal amount, I guess. Yeah. I would push. Well, it's, it's hard too, because it depends on what you do. Any, the, the, any tips. The not looking at phone and social media is a game changer. That takes hours out of my day, especially in the political climate now. I've, it's just I, every platform. I'm telling you right now, first three hours of my day. No text, no social media. Literally, it's all about me for the first three hours of my day. So wake up, um, work out, shower, meditate, have breakfast, read a book for 30 minutes, and then I'll check social media. And at that point, it's been like three hours. I just have this like weird <clears throat> feeling all the time of like, you're missing someone out. needs me not if i'm missing out but like what if some someone needs me or if they have an opportunity and i don't answer them i'm like if i'm not always on call am i gonna like miss something but yeah i'm missing out i guess you well i i get that um like that will smith thing if i didn't respond right away i would have missed it because i needed to get totally an answer. so it's a balance i think you have to keep your head on a swivel recently mm-hmm. one thing i did and has been really helpful is I intentionally didn't have Instagram notifications on my phone because I didn't want to get blown up all the time. Best thing to do ever. I turned them off for Black Lives Matter thing. But I turned the DMs on because I was finding myself Mm. rationalizing, go check the social because you got to see if you have any DMs and there might be something. You can do that? Yeah, you can. I just have only DMs and only primary DMs. Yeah, not general. Yeah, So, so that's helped me because now... I'm not rationalizing to check the app more. That was always like, mm-hmm. I don't need to see what's going on in the world, but like, it might be a DM. Yeah. It might be like an opportunity of a lifetime. And ever since that turned that on, I don't, it's, I wake up. That's genius. If there's no notification from Instagram. Yeah, no one's, you know, not nothing worried. important will happen in the it's comments. followers yeah. or it's comments. Yeah. But, uh. Do you have TikTok? I have TikTok, but I haven't. Don't I, go on it. It's no, a trap. No, it's, it is a trap. Yeah. I lose days of my life <laughs> i get it i get it i've i see it happen and i'm just like i'm very i'm a very aware person so mm-hmm. like i'll be on it for 10 minutes and i go i see what this wow, is you have some discipline that i am um, jealous of yeah but it, it, it's if i can do it you can do it it took me time to like do this uh-huh. like to like train myself or to like um i don't want to say be woke but like to mm-hmm. keep constantly well i think a lot of it comes to time management and i learned that skill through uber because i mean time is money no matter what Mm -hmm. but literally with uber it was like time is money for not driving so i was always assessing things and what i was doing and like Mm -hmm. was i in a rabbit hole because i was working or was i just watching youtube videos when i should be at work like actually driving so i think that i think time management was a pillar that was really important for me to like being aware of what i'm doing meditation for sure yeah uh, constantly like assessing the thoughts that I'm telling myself, mm-hmm. which then ultimately dictate my perspective of my world. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you have a you have 
consistent income you're working on like there's just yeah. so many good things that are happening that's so easy game to like, changer yeah yeah um so i don't know i think it's just been something that i've been working on for a long time and it's taken me i i would say at the end of the day meditation has been a game changer yeah four years strong um i need to i started dabbling at the beginning of quarantine but i need i definitely need to get back into it i recommend i recommend it to everybody first uh there's apps. There's all, t- mm-hmm. all different apps. Um, 10 minutes a day. I do it right after I shower. So it's like I wake up. The first thing I do is work out. So it like, gets the blood flowing Gotta for the get day. Out of the way, yeah. Feels good. Allows me to like clear my mind and just get a good workout in. And then after I shower, before I like shift gears into work for the day, it allows me to like shift that gear through the meditation. And it's like 10 minutes. And it allows me to just set great intention for the day. Because there's even days where I wake up and I feel groggy or my mind's thinking about other things that don't really fucking matter but it's still in my mind so i'm like get this shit out of here mm-hmm. and so the meditation has allowed me to like ground myself um remind myself of gratitude mm-hmm. but that's i swear that has been the biggest hack of my I life i think literally <clears throat> tomorrow i'm gonna start that because i think i'm at a point where i am sick of my own shit mm. i'm sick and i'm it's I'm not sick of my own shit i'm sick of being aware of my own shit and not m- making moves to you know counteract it yeah well you gotta i think what it comes down to is even even when it comes down to like the morning routine aspect mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big preacher of like it's not about what time you wake up because i think it's all relative but it's really about i think what do you do within those first two to three hours of your day i think can be a game changer yeah but everybody's different within that because like maybe the best way for you to wake up is like wake up have a cup of coffee get all your emails out of the way yeah, yeah. like maybe do a little bit of work and then you know focus on some other things so i think similarly you have to like try these different hacks to find out like what works best for you. And mm-hmm. meditation is like anything else. If you do it for a week, you'll be like, oh, cool. You do it for a month. Mm-hmm. If you stay consistent with it, you're going to be like, wow, this shit really. Change your life. <sighs> okay. Noted. I might have an app, you know, teach me the ways in the beginning. That's what that, I use like the app Headspace? every day. I use the app every day. It's called, well, the, I started off with Headspace and now I use one called Waking Up. Okay. Uh, with Sam Harris, I can actually send you a link. They're incredible. I love this platform because one, they offer uh, first 30 days free, which mm-hmm. a lot of meditation apps do. But what's super dope about this platform is if you are somebody that cannot afford their app, which I think it, I think it's um, nine bucks a month, or you can just pay it outright for the year, and it ends up being like seven bucks a month. Okay, but they have this program where it's like if you can't afford our app send us an email and tell us your situation we'll give you a full year free and at that year if you're in a similar situation or you like can't afford it we will give you the app and we'll oh. yeah like so so they actually care they actually you, that, that's 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 like the antithesis of for profit totally like they actually care about they it. actually that, care. That, that means i trust the content that they provide. and this is what i'm saying they they, yeah. they are so aware and they know mm-hmm. like the short term of like now. losing 10 bucks is gonna be yeah that person's gonna it's gonna help them yeah, and imagine you saying this right now like i'm I'll, I, i'm not gonna like go to them and like try to finagle out of the money because i love them so much i want to give them my money and the totally. fact that you say like just that policy will get them money totally yeah it's all about the intent and i think people sometimes think short-term versus Mm long-term and i think that i've literally have talked about this multiple times on a Mm -hmm. podcast so at this point i'm like literally fucking promoting them so it's like that's why i like with art i i i'm not such a stickler on money right now because i feel like i just need to it'll come totally you know 
It'll come. As long as your bills are being paid, you're able to invest in the yeah. things you need to buy. Mm -hmm. If you keep, you know, chugging along and obviously jumping on opportunities and when you assess it, it's like, boy, this is a great opportunity. It's well worth taking X less or whatever. I feel like it's always, if you can think long play, it's always going to fucking work to For your sure. advantage. What, um, there's going to be, I guarantee you, there's somebody that is listening to this podcast at, you know, this isn't live recorded, <laughs> but there's going to be somebody to listen to this podcast and for sure, deep down inside knows what they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And they have rationalized why they shouldn't take that leap. Mm -hmm. Or they know it's coming, but it's not the right time yet, which is totally understandable. You got to prepare yourself to take a massive leap. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice you would give to people, especially you just hit that one year since I love that caption you said, uh, I think, Ten I, out of yeah, it was like October 4th. I think you posted it uh -huh. or something. It was like the fourth, yeah. one year uh, since I left my job, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. And I was like, that's the fucking energy I love to see. Yeah. But uh, is there any little gems or advice that you would give to people? Something that I'm very transparent about. Um, I mean, I, I've been, I thought about it for an entire year, whether I wanted to like, I knew I was always going to leave my job, but I just wasn't sure when. I'm very lucky to have a family. Well, my dad's like, this bitch <laughs> but my mom was like i'll support you um but she she agreed it was actually her idea for me to leave my job wow and i you know i i had so much faith in myself i didn't know what it looked like but i knew it was gonna work um i think you have to know that you have to trust yourself even if you don't have a plan i was lucky financially because i didn't make money for maybe like I mean, besides the Will Smith thing right away, I didn't make like consistent money maybe for like seven or eight months. Wow. Um, I had some saved up because I and I had like I pulled out my 401k and like all this stuff. So, you know, financially, I wasn't going to I wasn't freaking out. Um, the only like I don't know, I don't I don't want to I don't want people to be like, OK, if you really hate your job one day, just leave. Like yeah. I don't want I don't want people to do that. Um, like, I don't, I'm not going to say like this magical thing happened once I did it, but it was really hard. Mm. Um, but I knew from the moment I chose, made that decision, like not one day did I regret. You just have to know, you just have to like trust in your ability. Um, if, if the financial part is an issue, like have a plan, Yeah. like just, you know, figure out how much money you need to sustain you a certain amount of time and just make sure you're, you're set. Yeah. Um, yeah, trust your gut, I yeah. would say. That's so cliche, but like that's all I had to go on. I had no data to say I was going to succeed. Yeah. I just had, you know, luckily stress-wise, I my parents let me like kind of flow through the creativity of it all. Like, sorry, dad came out of nowhere. These A lot of my paintings came out of nowhere, but they trusted it too, which is good. But. Yeah, I think you need to do some planning in the sense of like realistic how much money do you have? They're not planning. You need to think through like where you're at financially because clearly like there was somebody that recently at Twitter, of course, it's mm -hmm. always fucking Twitter. Always fucking Twitter. But there was like um, a producer that had quote tweeted somebody. It was probably a couple months ago and they were like, they tweeted at them and it was like, yo, I'm quitting my job. I got a kid or I forget what the context was, but the producer was like, yo, you can't just take a leap like that and mm -hmm. just think that like tomorrow this is all going to work out. But like you need to start edging yourself towards mm -hmm. where you want to be 
but be realistic about like, you know, are you financially in a position where you can do that and mm-hmm. like take that leap? So it's, uh, it's, oh, finish, no, please. I was gonna say, it's funny because nothing is guaranteed. Even if you plan as much as you want, like no one predicted COVID yeah. and people launch businesses right in the beginning of that. Like your life can get flipped upside down for the positive or for the negative. Like I've seen people on TikTok within one month, they have 3 million followers just because they promote like this one girl, Sienna, she is it's body positivity and she just blew up overnight. And then I've seen like, you know, people take the turn for the worst on a whim, just like, you know, freak, freak accident. So like, you never know. Yeah. But I, I don't want to deter anyone, <laughs> but I just know that, you know, you really got to fucking believe in yourself. You That's, really have to. And yeah. it's funny because I have so much self-doubt, realistic. Every day I wake up like I'm not good enough for this. I, I don't have an, like a, my life wasn't hard enough to be in this space. I don't have enough pain to be in this space. Like, you know, like, I mean, I do, but like it's all re- relative, you know? And um, I think, but ultimately the overarching thing is I believe that I can do this. Mm. Day to day, I don't. <laughs> so how do you get you through that even on day to day? Are there any like tricks or like how do you get yourself out of that funk? Do you just... All I know, I just, I I remember that every time I release a painting, the validation I get from not only people that love me, but people I don't know, mm. I have to remember that like, I, I, I screenshot messages that really fuel me. And, I, and one time I made one in my background because mm. I was like... If, messages from strangers like that really just like kind of catapult me forward and i'm just like i don't know that keeps me going it's the it's i mean i don't want to like search for validation but the validation i've gotten is what makes me keep going yeah well because at the end of the day you're so caught up in the day-to-day the process like Mm -hmm. getting shit done thinking about the next move yeah producing this thinking big term that i think it's so important to like and that's why I put so much more time into balance in my life in the last six months and I've seen such an upside because it allows me to step away from the work mm-hmm. and separate and give myself space. But then it also allows me time to reflect mm-hmm. and think about like where I was not long ago yeah. to where I am. And then that's, so the moments where I have that, that those thoughts of like, you're not, you're not the best podcast in the world, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. I just think about, well, where was I four years ago? Okay, I graduated business school. I got an email from my graduating class that 99% of my class was enrolled in a full-time career and I was the fucking 1%. I was an Uber driver. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any creating creative experience prior. And then I start like, wait a second, like I build myself up. I'm like, hype. like then I start to use that as fuels. Like if I got, if I started from there and I got to where I am here, who does, who is, like, I can, I can do anything, anything I want. I can do anything I want if I stay disciplined, consistent, and I just keep plugging away at those, like, couple wins every day. Yeah. It's like, it's, there the is possibilities no, are endless. There is no formula. That's what I've learned. It's like, not, you didn't even have to go to college, or you didn't have to do these things to get anywhere. But I, especially in the, in the world of art, um, every single person is going to interpret, whether it's music, painting, Everyone's going to interp- digest it, interpret it differently. Totally. Um, so that keeps me from like overthinking it because I'm, I'm, I'm studied marketing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, be a businesswoman. But at the end of the day, if people aren't hating my work, I'm not doing it right. Mm. You know, because if someone has that much hate for it, 
there are people that are going to be obsessed with it. You yeah. know, like I almost want to be more polarizing in my work. I, I, but the fact that I'm overthinking it and trying to like stay in this little happy place is why I think I, you know, not producing as much stuff. But. Your marketing is really fucking good. Like the way you like, you're very clever with the way you post things and oh, the captions. It's very thoughtful in the sense of like, you know, like you found your like lane of how you want to express yourself to the world and it's fucking dope. That means so much. Cause I used to think about it. I used to overthink everything and I'd like sit on captions for like days and be like, mm. like plan out my feed. And now I'm just like, if it feels right, I'm going to throw it up there. Totally. And it, and that it, you're, it worked for me. Like, and I actually like, you know, I'm not putting on a front for anyone, which I was before. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to like, you know. I think that's the shit that relates though. Mm -hmm. It's like truly authentic to you yeah. and what you want to share and who you want to like represent to the world through these platforms. And yeah. so I think that's what, not only do you have to have like, you know, your art has to have a uh, connection to people, but like the way you present yourself to the world is what's going to keep people around because they're just relating to how real it is or yeah. how authentic it is to you. I used to think like, I'm not, you know, I'm not mysterious enough to be an artist or I'm not like, cause I, cause I have myself as I think I'm an extension of my art because my art is an extension of me. And my dad's like, you should make a different Instagram for your paintings. And I'm like, I am my paintings. Mm. So like, I'm not going to take my name off of it. I'm not going to like separate that because like, you'll understand my paintings if you understand me and vice versa. Yeah. So I, I think I saw this quote like years ago that said, um, explanation kills art. I used to ex try to explain everything that went on in my head when I made a piece of art. And then I'm like, no, I'm just going to throw it up there. And like, I did that with that video I made with that dancer. And people came at me with all these different interpretations. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't even think of it that way. But that, that makes so much sense. Well, I think if it gets people so rattled up and they have a lot to say, I think you've, you did it. Yeah. You did your job as an artist because you caused people to see it from different lenses yeah. or like... I had people send me videos of them crying watching it. And I was wow. like, okay, I can do this. That wow. was before I quit my job too. And that was like info I pulled from for that. But Wow. <sighs> what a fun little journey. You know? <laughs> what a fun little, <laughs> little journey. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I it's funny. I love that you have that on your website too. Something along the lines of like... Join along for the journey. I don't even Literally know where no I'm going. Literally no idea what the fuck I'm going. <laughs> but it's funny, like talking, I haven't like talked about this in this format in a very long time. And I'm learning things or I'm like, this is helping me remember that I do kind of know what I'm doing. Totally. But I'm just, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. But you know, all we like. Cause you gotta, well, the thing is like I um, or like I, I was kind of saying about even my own self, sometimes you have to like literally stop and just look at where you just came from mm -hmm. and you're like, holy shit. Like 20 year old Kelly be like, this is the coolest bitch on the this planet. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we, as human beings and as people, I would say we're both extremely passionate, driven, and um, we have high expectations for ourselves. So mm -hmm. we're constantly chasing the next thing. We're always gonna be chasing the next fucking yeah. thing. So it's like, if you can't, stop now every once in a while and just like think about where you came from and how you got to where you are that next big vision is not going to bring the happiness like having your own studio with 10 artists or like 10 people working and helping you mm -hmm. sounds like happiness right now sounds like the the biggest dream of all time and then you get there and it's dope for like five weeks <laughs> yeah. and then you're back to like now i need one with 20 people yep. you know so it's like 
it's fucking actually scary because there's times in my life where I tell myself, if only this happened, I would be the happiest kid alive. And then it happens and I'm like, yeah, this is fucking dope. But like, now I want this and then I want that. Yeah, that's like me. It's like, all I want is my own space and like with a room to paint it. And I have that now yeah. and I'm like, I need a fucking warehouse studio. Yeah. Like I, I can't do that, but yeah. You ever seen, have you ever seen a documentary on Netflix called uh, Minimalism? Oh Yeah. That is, I've watched it multiple times. That is, that is my life. I love that. Yeah. It, uh, I wear the same outfit. No one asks me what I wear to go out anymore because they know I wear the same thing every time I go out. It's great. But it, there's so much more space, not only physically in our lives, because we have less shit mm-hmm. or it actually means something to us, also saves us money. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel, Mentally. I, I have felt so much clearer in my mind oh my God, yeah. from being a minimalist and like strategically not spending my money on dumb shit. Like I wear the same clothes all the time. I feel very confident in it. Mm-hmm. Don't give a fuck yeah. if it's basic. Like this is just, yeah. it works for me. I couldn't agree more. And I I always push that um, documentary on whoever I can. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Ever since I watched that and I like got rid of every, I mean, living in New York, you get rid of a lot just space wise. And I just, you don't have a lot of space yeah, to work with, and, so you have to make And you it know, work. I felt like always, I always had to be, I always had to be able to move on a whim. Like that's how I felt I needed to be. And then that causes you to have a few things. Um, I finally bought some furniture, but like a bed and a couch, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. I, I used to like buy things to either fit an aesthetic I thought I wanted to be. Or like all the stuff. And I think ridding myself of that just cleared my whole head up. Totally. Because you're not thinking about it. You're yeah. Not, it's almost like a validation of like, oh, I got the fucking new thing that came yeah. out. Or or like I can appreciate certain styles and aesthetics on other people. But I, I know for a fact that won't work on me. I know what works on me. So I'm just going to like, you know, be me for once in my goddamn life. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I, I, I just love minimalism. To me, it's me too, like, yeah. it just clears so much headspace. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of getting towards the end of this. I know that you are familiar with We Are Not Really Strangers. Oh, yeah. Fucking dope. Did did Ryan tell you? Or? No, oh. not at all. Um, I, so when I do these research for these podcasts, I like will take time and go through people's Instagram, see like Love that. what they follow, try to understand like do we have similar interests in like who we follow. I saw you follow We Are Not Really Strangers. Mm-hmm. But I recently got the game mm-hmm. and I recently have been before people come to the podcast, I pull a card for you. Okay. And I already wrote it down. So oh, your question is... Oh, fuck. I've never, played, <laughs> I've never played this game, but I know it's a lot. It's funny you bring this up because I I want Sorry Dad to be the We're Not Really Strangers of the Body. That's what, that's Ooh. my goal. Like I want it to be this open forum of I- intimacy, but in the sexual realm. Mm. Like I already talked to Ryan and we're, gonna, we're trying to develop a game too, but it's Genius. more on the sexual side, yeah genius yeah anyways that's, actually, that's great i yeah. love that i can definitely see that happening so yeah, Cross, I'm, sure. I'm gonna manifest it right now on totally. this podcast. and yeah. then when it blows the fuck up i'm gonna cut this clip yeah. post it this shit will go viral yeah. vanity we're all, fair we're all fucking winning <laughs> we're all winning so yeah. your question is what lesson took you the longest to unlearn to unlearn to unlearn oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> what lesson took me the longest to unlearn unlearn um Oh, well, I think, um, I, I've always been, I've always hated my body. I've always Mm -hmm. been super judgmental of like my body at all times growing up, up to the, up until this, like recently. And 
starting art or actually being successful in art. So recently I've realized putting beauty out into the world um, allows me to be less judgmental on my own physical being. Like, mm. and starting sorry, to, I've, I've had to unlearn the hate for my own body. Mm. That's one of them. I'm sure there's so many. I've literally spent my whole life unlearning everything I was taught. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all at some, um, at some point do something similar. Yeah, self, yeah. What was it about, and not to get into specifics or anything that's yeah. not comfortable, what about your body? Like, what, like, it's just. I, I always thought, like, you know, my, I always wanted to be this, like, tiny little thing. Mm. And, like, I know I'm fit and, like, normal height and I'm not, like, overweight, but, like, I see myself as, like, overweight all the time. For some, mm-hmm. I think it's, like, a body dysmorphia thing, but, like, I don't, I don't know. I've always been super like self-conscious about my body, even. But there are days where I'm like obsessed with myself, so I don't know. I think I'm getting to a point where like I love my body, like everything about my body. But what was that? I forgot to write it down. Otherwise, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have just said what it was. But the most recent thing you had posted on your Instagram, um, it was like for women, it's like you need to just um on my personal one yeah it was literally the last post you oh had. oh you just you really just got to be obsessed with yourself ladies that's the trick I, I think that's like the key it's the trick that's exactly what society doesn't want you to be mm. because they profit off you not yeah. being obsessed with yourself and I, we've all been victim to it but they say they're like oh you're they, they say being obsessed with yourself is like oh like a negative thing like you're so vain yeah and i'm like if not me then who yeah well i think it's the most attractive thing at least for me and what I've seen in like the woman that I've been attracted to is that confidence mm-hmm. of like, I'm in love with myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a strong trait to have in yourself. And it's so hard to like get to that point that it takes, it takes time. Like I it definitely took me time to like feel fully confident in who I am. And like, if you don't like what you see, like yeah. totally cool. Like, I'm not supposed to be the perfect person for every single person, but yeah. I think the ability to like love yourself for the flaws, for everything, and like to be proud of that is so hard to do, but so yeah. like fulfilling at the same time. And I think if you truly feel that way about yourself and you act, I mean, you're going to act that way if you truly feel that way, people will perceive you differently. 100%. You can see insecurity from a mile away. And not that it's a bad thing, we're all working on it, we're all, everyone's always working on it, but like, there's that energy of confidence. Totally, because the person walks in the room and they are not reserved. They're not mm-hmm. trying to like I've, be somebody they're not. It's like, who the fuck is this? I've like, been I attracted the energy. to uh, every, physically, the men I've been attracted to all look infinitely different. But like, it's funny because like, if I saw a photo of one of them, I, but it, it's the energy of confidence that really like. So that's, that's the key. Mm-hmm. The confidence in the way yeah. they carry themselves. Not like a narcissistic... Um, cockiness or anything like that but um yeah just self-love nothing overbearing yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's i mean it's just it's a good fucking characters to have yeah. in anybody it's tough yeah because you know the society feeds off the opposite of that but yeah, fuck all that bullshit <laughs> yeah fuck that noise. that's a good that's a good lesson to be unlearned though you handled that question pretty good i don't know how i would have answered it yeah so I, I mean I, i'm sure on my drive home i'm gonna be like damn it i had a better answer but <laughs> No, nope, honestly, moment, this this conversation has flowed so naturally. I don't even know anything that I said, and now I'm like, "Fuck!" I gotta listen to this back and be like, "Do I want to repost this?" Like, fuck. but I do know that one difference between this and the last one I did is the last one I did. I was just talking shit mm. the whole time, and this I, I feel like a different person. I feel like 
you know, more grounded. And The crazy thing about doing these, you'll leave today and I will literally feel like I'm on a fucking different level of a drug for the rest of my day. Cause it is, it. it is the most fulfilling and like, I just, it's, uh, I just feel so, fu- I, half the time I'm just listening and I'm just like guiding the conversation. I have my two yeah. cents here and there, but this is I'm your t- art. I know how that I feels. I love this yeah. shit. I fucking yeah. like time just fucking goes by. Like it's the, it is, um, it is for sure my passion. It is, I took like similar, I mean, you took a decade off, which is clearly some time. I didn't get into podcasting until 2016, mm-hmm. but then taking this job and stepping away really for like, for there was like nine months that I had stepped away and I probably averaged one podcast a month across the first six months. Mm-hmm. Coming from a place where I was averaging one to two pieces of podcast a week mm-hmm. for three and a half years. So it was a big adjustment. Um, but to step away, if it was fucking weird to do that for so much because I, I lost my identity. Yeah, I lost like, okay, yeah, like I work for this great company and this is like what I do for them. But that creative voice or for you like having a way to like express the way you're feeling or your thoughts is like, it's just so therapeutic. And you don't even realize you're losing your identity when you're not doing it yeah. until you find it again, which is a cool little journey. To yeah. Go on. Yeah. And what's so cool about it though, is I think sometimes when we step away and we feel like we're not making progress cause we're stepping, we step away. Mm-hmm. So technically we're not making progress cause we're not working on the day to day of like working on something. Um, that space that gets created allows us to come back and have a different lens. So like For sure. when I stopped that old podcast, Purpose in the Youth, it felt I, I had no um, no regrets or I had no, it really was a pause in the beginning, but I, I felt so confident in like pausing the show and, and taking the new job mm-hmm. it, that it needed to be done. But then fast forwarding, and then back in August, I officially just like put out a final podcast, a solo podcast, just like recapping the last four years of what it was like mm-hmm. and just officially ending the project and then and then segueing into this. It felt so, like so in that time when I paused and I didn't know what was going to happen next, I was like so fucking nervous because like, am I about to just shut this down and like say goodbye to this thing that I had built and put all my time and energy and love into? Mm-hmm. But doing that allowed me to then take all the tools and lessons that I had learned and then oh, put yeah. into this new baby where it's like this thing is only 34 episodes in and it's like this thing like it's going to be a fucking rocket yeah. because I know what I wanted to do differently and then I took it and I've been applying it this and is so, like this lesson you could apply it I feel like relationships it's like totally you know it'll all flow in and out of every all of that naturally and you're gonna you had to go through that totally. and you had to end that in order to get here and that's what happens with everything. everything. Like I even think about past relationships where in the time I felt so fucking lost because this person didn't want anything to do with me. And so I was I wanted everything to do with her. And I felt like, fuck, like my life was Story like life. down in the digger for <laughs> yeah. a while. Yeah. But then it taught me to be so much more confident in myself and like realizing I don't need somebody to make me happy. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't you. And it, there you go. It's never you. But we fucking tweak our minds and think it yeah. is us. Validation. And, and then, but also too, sometimes we then think that they're intentionally trying to hurt us when yeah, they never, never did. It just wasn't the right time or yeah. it wasn't the right energy or there was, it was just, 
we fucking make up these thoughts in our mind like, oh, they, they, they're out to get us. I'm cr- yeah, I'm crazy. We all, but it's yeah. not you, everybody. Yeah. Even but, the males out there. Y'all, y'all are afraid to be fucking vulnerable. With, with the, open, open up. Let's yeah. go. With the last dude, I remember, I remember consciously the whole time being like, I'm fucking amazing. Yeah. How do you not see it? And then it was you're my lost. ego being like, I'm going to prove it to you. But then I was like, you're lost. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's like a weird mental roller coaster. My sister's literally this, like, she has the same energy. She's yeah. two years younger than me. And I swear she's, she was strong. She's like my fucking rock. Sometimes I've had to lean on her because she's just like, she yeah. don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, she's just you like, gotta. you ain't love. Not like, fuck, yeah. you just like, see you later. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But. It took me a bit. Vi- that's something I had to unlearn. Yeah. Or learn. Or Unlearn the yeah. giving a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to get a tad out of my body at some point. I just I don't. I don't want to just I put like, don't give up. You have anything? I don't have anything. I, I'm the type of person that I, if I get one, I'm going to map out my whole body. Yeah. And it, I'm I'm not that cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if it means something to you, I, I only have one right now. Um, I'm oh, going to get, that. I got a couple more I'm about to get in two weeks. So this was like the first one I ever got. This was actually the time that I got the job with Liquid IV. I love that. Um, and it was just, a, it was like a weird time because i was like you know stopping the podcast i was transition trying to find my denny all this crazy shit and then i got this and the name of the font is actually beyond infinity oh so keep that. going beyond infinity but uh yeah i think it's dope if you can find i have commitment issues so tats are hard <laughs> probably yeah. and like for me like with art i i hate everything i've created like i i just you know i feel mm. like i'm judgmental and i feel like if i pick a piece of art for myself i'm gonna hate it eventually i i bet you though if it's if it means something to you, you'll never regret True. it. And I don't give a fuck anymore. And you don't give a fuck. But I, I think it's it's the art can resemble chapters in your life. So now True. there's like I strategically will only Yeah. I am trying to make sure that if I do get a tattoo moving forward, there's a story behind why I got it or when. And so like even the next couple things that I'm getting in two weeks, every it literally like has a story for each piece and it's not yeah. like just some random shit that I'm throwing on my True. body. So I think it's it ends up, I don't know, you're like, you get to wear it with you, which yeah. is kind of fucking dope. One day. I, yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to get one, but my brother's tatted head to toe, so. Doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't give a fuck. I love that. <laughs> tatted up. Yeah. Um, before we wrap this podcast up, uh, sometimes I feel like people, uh, they don't know what the next step should be, or they don't, they're looking for, not advice, but like actionable things to do. Mm-hmm. So if somebody made it this far on the podcast, what is a challenge you have for them that you think could help them in any way? Whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's reading more, whether it's chasing a passion, like what's one actionable challenge that you have for people that made it this far on the podcast? Um, you know, I, it, this isn't part of my identity, but it is, it's just, I'm not vocal about it, but I think taking care of your physical being like Mm -hmm. mentally of course but like working out and getting endorphins is the only reason i'm alive every day Mm -hmm. like i need that or else i'm gonna just be a crazy person um but I, i i think you can't do anything unless you're physically you know healthy Mm -hmm. and so i think that is the root of everything that i do is being eat whether it's whether i i'm eating well which i do I'm vegan for the most part, but sometimes I eat fish. Um, and just take care of your physical being. Because mm. I think we neglect that. Mm-hmm. We're like, there's so many other things we have to worry about. Um, 
And I think the physical being will bleed into the mental state. For me, it's important to do that because um, I get really lost in the sauce. And I think the endorphins keep me out of that. I agree. I think if you want to do anything at a high level, it's, I mean, you've probably, I think we've all seen it like your body is your temple. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you even think of it like a car, if you put diesel into a car that doesn't take diesel, the shit's not going to fucking exactly. work. So it's like what you consume is going to totally impact the way you feel on a daily basis, mm-hmm. the energy, um, the motivation, like I mean, even when I think about like cutting out carbs, it gives me more energy because my body isn't trying to like I need to do that. break down. Oh, I love but bread. But I am a carb. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's on my dating profiles. It's like everything you love, <laughs> carbs. <laughs> I know, but everything it, everything with carbs is fucking bomb. It's all balanced at the end. So it is, you can yeah. cheat, totally cheat. Yeah. But uh, I, I completely agree. I think taking care of the physical, our physical bodies will transform us in many ways possible. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media? Um, I am on Instagram, Callie Rock, C-A-L-I. Is it just straight through Callie Rock? Yeah. I don't know how I got that handle. I was really late to the Instagram game. Um, I'm on TikTok. TikTok is a mixture of art. I had one post go viral, so it got me a a bunch of followers. Must Um, be nice. Yeah. It was like back in December of last year, but um, I dance on there and (laughs) and I paint. yeah. TikTok, Instagram. TikTok, Instagram, and then sorry. You'll, you'll see sorry dad in my Instagram bio. So Dope. Callie, it's been a fucking pleasure having Love you here. Love this so much. Can we do it same time tomorrow? <laughs> every day. I'm just, I'm just going to put it on my calendar for work. Like, sorry, yeah. I'm like busy. Your from- three hours every morning is actually just <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, get back to you like around noon or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I love doing podcasts. This is like the fucking, uh, this, is, this is the best thing in the world. But uh one thing I've been trying to, I want to do heavily more is I, and unintentionally when I was doing the old podcast, it was just heavily male. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if I have an army of incredible great, women that I know and great. I will send them your way. Keep fucking sending my them my way. Oh, I already know who I would people, send. People, this is always, the, this is the best part. I was telling the, the, the first girl that was on the podcast earlier this week, I was getting people coming at me like, what, you don't want a woman on your podcast? I go, do you not think I don't want to talk to women? <laughs> I'd rather just fucking start. He's a wo- scared of women. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm, kidding, yeah. I'm kidding. We're intimidated. Yeah, like I'll. Fi- I would rather just start a podcast focused on the women. Fuck yeah. all the dudes. Yeah. I'm sick of this dick, big dick energy yeah. coming in here. I'm gonna start talking to the women. Yeah, but, uh, preaching to the choir. Yeah, like come on, these fucking guys. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is uh, oh, yeah. this is an incredible podcast. Love it. If you guys and gals enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give Callie Rock a follow on Instagram. But ultimately, screenshot this episode, post it to your IG story, tag her at Callie Rock. And tag me at Bobby, B-O, three B's, four A's, and a Y. Share out this podcast. Tell us what you enjoyed. And we'll hopefully see you guys and gals soon enough. Callie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. This is amazing. Talk to you guys (laughs) soon enough. See ya.